Uh, we're glad to have you here. I'm always appreciative of the opportunity to step in when Andy is doing whatever he's doing in Maine, just hanging out with family, going on vacation. Wish he was here. But it gives me this cool opportunity. I know. Amen. Um, but he's not here, and so I get to be the weird, different style, and so all of you need to stand up real quick. Sorry, introverts. I know. My, yeah, you're like, oh, please don't make me do this. And if you are around a bunch of people who you already know, consider the next step, talking to people you don't. But for 60 seconds, which seems like an eternity for some of us, turn to people around you and just ask what's good in their life. What are they grateful for or what are they looking forward to this next week? Go. 60 seconds. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Take a seat. Take a seat. Hey, that was fun. I got to meet two people that I don't know because normally I go to first service. So it's always weird coming to second service. I'm like, man, some of you don't have familiar faces. There's a handful that are. Um, so I have you do that. One, before the pandemic, we would do that from time to time, like before worship, just, hey, turn to a neighbor, say hi, greet each other. So for some of us, that might feel a little awkward, especially if you're introverted, maybe, you know, being caught off guard by that. So thanks for doing that. Um, another reason I decided to have you do that, is your pastoral staff and elders are actually reading through a book called The Other Half of Church by Michael Hendricks and Jim Wilder, and we have a little graphic up here, but uh, we're on chapter three right now, go through a chapter a month and really dive into it and how we can apply that to the church. And so a lot of what we're going to talk about today is rooted around the concept of that book, which blends biblical teaching with scientific study of the chemistry of our brain. Anytime you walk into a room or walk into this church, your brain, whether you know it or not, is scanning the room, as this quote says, trying to find people who take joy in you. And so here's just one quote from it. God designed our brains to run on joy like a car runs on fuel. As we go through our day, our right brains are scanning our surroundings, looking for people who are happy with us. And so when you walked into the church this morning, that's why we have greeters. That's why we try to have you get connected with other people so that when you walk in and you see somebody excited to see you, this feels like a safe, welcoming, warm place. And to tie that into why that is biblical, Numbers 6, 24 to 26, this is a prayer for the nation of Israel that we can take a look at and apply to how we live our lives. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I added the emphasis on face. There's something about the face and meeting people eye to eye and feeling that joy of that person knows me. They have a smile on their face. I feel connected. Your brain loves that. It's addicted to it. That's where we get joy is from recognizing that. And so are we as a Christian community not just coming to church, walking in, not making eye contact, sitting down, checking the box, and listening to some weirdo like me or a brilliant pastor like Andy share a message, and then they sing a song, and you walk out the door, and you're gone. We're not telling you to not come to church, but if that's all you're doing, I don't know why people would want to come back here. Right? If you're just checking a box on a Sunday, we need to be in community with one another. We need to have joy with one another, and that's what today's message is about. So I want you to know, based on that verse too, that God is smiling upon you. He's looking down on you, and he is smiling. He wants you to know that there's joy before you in this walk of faith. It's not just to read your Bible and memorize a bunch of verses and feel good about yourself. There's a relationship, there's a joy to be had with Jesus and with one another. And so that's what we're going to take a look at today, if you would join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray for your church as a whole, but for North Point. Would we be on mission and be about the growth 
of faith, the growth of meaningful relationships within this church. As we develop relationships with one another, we begin to share in joy, uh, and that can span our struggles and the good things going on in life. Our joy is set in you, and we need to be reminded of that, and community is the perfect atmosphere for that. And so as we go through today's sermon, I pray that you would get me out of the way, that your word would speak for itself, and that you would use some of these stories to help paint the picture of why we need to be in community with one another. It's in your great name that we pray. Amen. So the big question today, as Julie on the announcements put up there, is why should I consider being connected in small groups or some other ministry within this church outside of the typical Sunday hour? And so hopefully through today's scripture we can do that. But first, who here likes basketball? <laughs> Josh, I can always count on you. That's wonderful. Um, so when I was growing up, we had a basketball hoop at our house, and I would spend countless hours out there, put the hoop up at six foot when I was a little guy, and kind of touch the rim, and then as you get taller, you try to keep going for higher heights, and I just loved that, and Judah's getting to the age where I'm like, he's got to learn to shoot a basketball. I've always wanted a hoop, and so for this Christmas, both sides, uh, Anna's side of the family, my side of the family, the gift that I got was a really nice, durable, in-ground basketball hoop, um, and so I've been waiting all since Christmas until the school year and track season got over and summer hit, and finally it's game time. We're going to put that thing together. So you get out the manual, get all the boxes and things, and I'm, I'm getting really, really excited. The manual pretty much said that it's really easy. You might need a little bit of help, but the hardest part is digging a four-foot hole. That's the hardest part. I'm like, the hardest part of putting this hoop up is a four-foot hole. This is going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be awesome. And so I get the shovel, and I get rolling, uh, and I'm digging, and it you know, probably is supposed to take hours, and after 15 minutes, I'm two feet down. I'm halfway there. This is cruising. This is great. This is great. And then 20 minutes later, I've only made it like six more inches. Because once you get past that two-foot mark, I'm like, why is this ground so much harder and clay-like? And so the, the, the frustration's setting in, and I'm like really counting the cost here. Like, this is not going to go good. And I'm three feet down, and it's been an hour and a half, and I'm breaking my back. And how am I going to get the dirt out of this hole? Because the shovel's like all the way down in there. It's not looking good. And so just as the frustration is really going to set in, neighbor Brad walks over and comes out of his garage. He's like, hey, what are you up to? Just doing an in-ground basketball hoop? He's like, digging it with a shovel? Do you, you want a post hole digger? And I'm like, I, I didn't think of a post hole digger because I'm not highly intelligent. And he's like, yeah, I got one in my garage. And he has every tool imaginable because he works construction. So he has an expertise. He had the tools. He had the resources that I did not have. Um, so he lent me that, and the postal digger worked great. My biceps and triceps were sore for two days straight because I'm not used to that. But without Brad's help, I would have not been able to do that. I would have struggled. I would have been frustrated. I probably would have given up for a certain period of time, maybe not forever, but given up. And throughout that process, I had Anna who helped me. Our neighbor, Pat, had a socket wrench that uh, perfectly fit, and we didn't have the, the specific tool for. And so with the help of the neighborhood, we were able to picture. Dig a hole. <laughs> Dig a hole. And uh, I didn't bury him. I know. And I, I, sometimes I probably would like to. But so we dug, dug that hole. Um, and that hole in the subsequent concrete that you have to pour, which that was the first time I've ever done that, like mixing it. And Anna helped me with that. Um, it's the most important part. If the concrete in that foundation is not firm, strong, and properly done, then the next picture, when life comes your way and when you're trying to slam dunk it as many times as I would like to, that thing's going to come falling down. And I plan to do a lot of dunking. That's 10 foot, you guys can tell, right? Yeah. Or it's, or it's 8 foot and I had to climb a ladder. 
Um, but yeah, you see the concrete base there. Like we, we put that together, and the rest of it was fairly simple to get the hoop up. And I had to get some help for that too along the way. But the best part wasn't just, ah, look at that finished product. It's the three hours later, the week later, that we had an answer to prayer. My wife and I have a four-year-old son, Judah, and he is very high energy, which is great, but it's very exhausting for the two of us to run around with him. So we just constantly pray that somebody would move into our neighborhood, especially on our block, and they would have young kids, please, maybe young boys who are also wild and adventurous and could help him with his energy and channel it in a good way. Um, and... I'm going to be at Lincoln Northwest next year, the new high school opening up, and our new wrestling coach, who's moving from Aurora, moved in across the street two houses down about the same week that we put that hoop up, and they happen to have two boys who are one and two years older than Judah. So it's perfect. And so we have this hoop up, and then this little video here is just a little bit of the fruits of our labor. And that's our neighbor across the street. She's wonderful. Yeah. Babysits Judah and dumps over him. But so, because of not my work, but the help of Brad, the help of Anna, of Pat, our neighbor, the, the community effort to lay that foundation, to get the hoop together, the rest of the neighborhood gets to like, benefit from the fruits of that. And I think that's a perfect illustration of our walk of faith. Or at least in my life, the foundation for my faith, the gospel, obviously was because of what Jesus has done, but it was other believers in community who drew me in with their joy, their love, their excitement, and they helped solidify that foundation so that when, right, that slam dunking comes, right, the difficulties of life, we're not getting torn down. We're able to stand firm because of other people who have helped lay that foundation. And because of that, as some verses we're going to look at uh, will mention, the rest of the world gets to benefit from that. The world gets to see our community, the way we love one another, and they get to know who Jesus is. They get a glimpse of who Jesus is because of our community as Christians. And so, uh, the main takeaway for today, once again, why should we consider building community outside of the typical just Sunday hour? Hopefully, the verses that we're going to look at are going to help answer that. So, if you have your Bibles, there's going to be three different sections we're going to look at. The first verses that are going to come up here, we're going to kind of look at two different parts to it, but it is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. We're going to look at 19 through 23 first. So, Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So ultimately, the foundation of our faith is what those verses are referencing. It's Jesus Christ. He led the perfect life that none of us as sinful people could live. And he went and paid the price that we deserved, death for our sins. He paid that price even though he was perfect on the cross. But he didn't just stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He was resurrected by God's holy power. He took up that new life. And because of that, our sins can be forgiven. We can have eternal life with him if we place our trust in him. But what that verse says right there in the last verse is we need to hold unswervingly. So if we need to be pursuing Jesus and his will and his plan for our life, we can't swerve to the right. We can't swerve to the left. But if you're me, that's really, really hard. I make mistakes all the time. But if I make those mistakes or I have those doubts or I have the shame, the guilt, and I try to deal with it on my own, 
at least my personal experience, I wonder if some of you relate, I'm not going to deal with it too well. So how can we hold unswervingly to our faith and stay strong and firm in that foundation? The next two verses. Let us consider, therefore, in light of what we just read, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you've been with us, Andy's been going through Revelation, and it's been a blast to look at it in a different lens. If any of you have studied Revelation, it's easy, like he says, to get caught up in like, what do these symbols mean and those symbols mean? But he's painted it pretty clear. Revelation is about how we as Christians are going to go through trials, through tribulations. He can sustain us. He is faithful through it. And so as we wait for that day, his second coming, whether it's tomorrow or a thousand years from now, we don't know. But what we do know is that we should not give up meeting together. We need to love one another And I don't know, it's hard for me to love all of you right now if I'm not actually in relationship with you outside of just standing up here talking at you. So we need to gather and meet, talk about life, share God's truth with one another, and grow together. And that's especially important as we take a look at the next set of verses. So this is further demonstrated in Romans 12, 3 through 5. Just a few short verses here. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And I love these set of verses because it's meant to humble all of us. Just because Andy asked me to come up here because he sees the gift of teaching that I have, That doesn't make me any better than the people who are out and shaking people's hands and saying, hey, good morning. We all have different gifts. We all have different strengths. And if we were to continue on in verses 6 and and so on, it talks about the different gifts. Gifts of mercy, of service, of teaching, of prophecy. There's so many gifts, and it's not an exhaustive list. Every single one of you is a part of God's community. And if you're just relying on me or Andy to help further you along in your faith, it, it can't just be us got to be the people sitting next to you. It's got to be within your family. We all are dependent upon one another. We are not meant to walk this faith alone. I think this is really well illustrated with the example of my mother-in-law and myself. So when I'm in college and even through today, um, she's not necessarily the type who would be up here, right, and feel comfortable sharing this in front of a large group. And yet, She reads the Bible three hours a day and studies a ton and goes through the concordance and looks at the history of the Bible to where she always comes to me for questions like, hey, I was studying this. What what do you think this answer is? And majority of the time, I have no idea. I have no idea. But she challenges me because she's good at asking questions and she's faithful to studying more so than I am that that strength, that talent that she has that God has given her is sharpening me. And she has people within her church who recognize that. She has a friend named Candy, who's much more like my personality, out there, outgoing, leadership up in front. But she recognizes Linda's ability to serve and her concern and care for other people. And so she's challenged Linda to get involved at the church. And so she serves the coffee and the water and gets the snacks ready and does that for multiple services. That in no way is less important than the pastor who's up on stage. Those are just different gifts. And as a body of Christ, we are not going to function well unless every single person in this crowd who is a believer in Christ is using those gifts and encouraging, sharpening, challenging one another to use those to the best of our ability for the glory of God. 
So while these verses show the importance of God and the fact that he's a community and he's died for us and we need to meet with one another and we need to encourage one another to use these gifts, this relates to how we can impact the world around us to non-believers. And so the final set of verses here are going to demonstrate why this is so important to building God's community, to drawing more people in. John 13, 34 to 35, I actually have this on a little whiteboard that I put by my desk in my office so that other coworkers can see it because I think it's that important. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Two things, and if we can go back to verse 34, two things. This verse is for believers. It's not saying the world's going to know you by how well you serve people who are non-believers. And that's important. It is. But this is saying the way you're going to be recognized is by how you love one another, the people within the church. If you are loving your fellow Christians well, and this is a community that is joyful, loving, exciting, the world is going to see that, and they are going to want a piece of that. They're going to want to be a part of it. And then you'll be able to say, it has nothing to do with me. It's all about Jesus. Glory to him. But the other word here that's important, I think, is that third one, a new command. This is a command. We need to love one another as he has loved us. Well, what has he done? He has laid down his life sacrificially. He has given of himself completely, poured out himself for the good of others. And this is very challenging for me. Am I living just a, a simple Christian life where really I'm doing it for myself and my benefit, or am I doing it like Jesus did? I'm laying down my life, I'm, I'm serving, I'm connecting with other people because I genuinely care about you and your growth, your development, your well-being, your walk with Jesus. And so in a moment, we're going to have a pretty cool opportunity for those of us who are either newer to this church or maybe have been here for a while, and you do just check the box. You come here on Sundays, and then you come back a week later. We're going to have some people come up here, and you can start making your way up, those who are going to be up here. But some practical groups that potentially you would be able to join, get connected with, so that we might have a more vibrant community here at church. So they're going to come up here, grab some chairs. I'll remind some of them. There are X's up here. You can put the chairs there as I move this off to the side. Um, but we're going to have just three questions for them. They're going to share a little bit about their group. They're going to share how it has helped them develop relationships, joyful relationships with others. And then the last question is going to be how it's helped them grow spiritually. So thanks for bearing with us. This is kind of something new. And we do have a slide up here, and I'm just reminding you that bottom part. There are many more groups than this. We have service opportunities and things like that, but we kind of selected groups that are more community-based. It's not necessarily 100% like we're going and doing the, the greeting or the service or the information booth. Those are kind of a different vein. We're looking at this is how you can get connected with people, build relationships, study God's word, and he's grabbing the mic. Aaron's on top of it. Appreciate it. Uh, but we have men's group here, women's group. Um, a representative for Bible studies, which I'll read a couple stats about those that blew my mind. Creative friends, uh, grief share, Sue is not here, so I actually have her notes that she would like me to share. And then mom to mom, a ministry that we have. Um, but briefly, so we only have one Bible study representative, but Jared Harms recently told me we actually have eight Bible studies throughout the week. And in those eight Bible studies with the collective 10 to 25 people, a part of each of those, we have 140 to 150 people actively in this church throughout the week, gathering, studying God's words, and doing life together. 
there's only 250 people who come on a Sunday. So that's over 50% of the people in this church who are actively living out what we're talking about right now, getting connected, trying to do life with one another in the church. And we're extremely grateful that that trend has continued in our church. We've grown from two or three Bible studies to eight, and we anticipate that that's only going to continue to grow. Also, Jared Harms does a great job of creating maps and things like that on the website online. So if you go to the different small group pages and you look at the different groups, they actually have the map of where those groups meet. And so you can find a geographic uh, location that works best for you based on where your family lives. And so lots of great opportunities. I'm excited for them to share a little bit about their ministries. And so we'll get started. The first question is, share your name, the group that you're a part of, and a little bit about it so that they can understand. today is Creative Friends. Um, Creative Friends is a group that meets twice a month. We meet on the first and third Thursdays in, um, in one of our members' homes. It's not too hard to find. We get to do all sorts of handcrafts. We do, um, some people do scrapbooking, jewelry making. One of my favorites is just to sit in color. So I have two small children at home, so sometimes I just need a break. And so Creative Friends is a place that you can go just to enjoy fellowship and time with other women who have similar interests. My name is Lois, and I represent the Ladies Bible Study at our church. And we're a group of ladies that meet once a week on Tuesday evenings. And our desire is to study God's Word, but it's also... uh, to create our friendships, <clears throat> excuse me, within that group. Um, we have several different studies a year, uh, video-driven usually, taught by, um, typically it's a women Bible teacher that's well-known. And um, <clears throat> as a whole group, we'll watch the video. And then in our table groups of about four to five women each, then we can discuss what we've heard, <clears throat> we share together, and, um, and it's usually it's followed by some personal sharing, and we spend time then praying for one another. I'm Aaron Jones. I'm uh, with the men's group, and uh, we meet Saturday mornings uh, from 8.30 to 10, so we're always done by Husker football on Saturdays in the fall. Um, and uh, we get together uh, as an opportunity uh, for men to iron sharpen as iron sharpens iron, men sharpen one another. And so we get together, um, kind of like a band of brothers on Saturday. And we can, uh, uh, when we're seeing challenges that uh, we're struggling with um, to, to lead our families well, it's a great opportunity to ask I- and, and get ideas from those men, um, as well as we couple that with a, a Bible study as well. I'm Anna. I'm a part of Mom to Mom, um, and we're a group of moms, either seasoned moms or brand new moms, and we meet together the second and fourth shoot, Monday evenings, and that's just during the school year. Um, we usually start with a devotion from our, our mentor, Marge, who's amazing, um, and we often have speakers come, and we've had different topics in the past about like self-care, infertility and loss, temper tantrums, moms in prayer. We've done self-defense classes together. Um, And a lot of times we also just have game nights or hang around a fire pit and just get to know each other and talk about the challenges and joys of being a mom. I'm Christy, and I'm part of Johnny and Anna's uh, Bible study. Um, And there are a couple of them that go on throughout the week, but we're on the Thursday night ones. um, And we just go throughout the year and study different books, and it lasts about like an hour and a half-ish. And... Um, we just spend time studying and just discussing the questions that we 
go through and then like prayer requests and we just get to know each other and sometimes we have like game nights and um, just lots of different opportunities to get to know um, everybody in our group and I know there's like many different like age ranges like there's like young couples and just any young person or to any age so it's there's different groups that you can join depending on what you want to be in and then I'll be Sue for grief share so I will say I but I'm Sue right now okay I facilitate Grief Share. We have a lesson book that covers different topics of grief. At the beginning of our meeting, we talk about that week's lesson, then watch a video, and then we talk about the video and break it down. Just talking about grief and sharing it with others is a big help to the members of the grief community. And so now we'll start back around. Um, how has this group that we just shared, uh, so Bible study, how has that helped you connect with others in terms of like relationally? Yeah, so when me and my husband, Zach, um, we wanted to join a church and just to get to know people um, because it's really hard to get to know people just on a Sunday. So it's been super good for us. We just joined like mid to late last year and it's we've met basically like our new set of friends and they've become so close to us and um, just because we share this connection of knowing God and being able to share our problems and any questions that we have and just being able to just connect on a deeper level because I know sometimes it's harder like at work or at school or something like that. Um, it's hard to connect on a deep level, but um, I felt and I know Zach's felt that our group has just been so helpful to, for us to grow as like a newly married couple and just as we have questions like in our relationships and the things that happen in our lives. So we've been really grateful to meet our, our whole group. Being a parent is very hard at times, and so at mom to mom I've just loved learning um, from some of the moms who have kids older than me just how they handled things or how they've gone through struggles at, at the different stages of life. So, um, yeah, I've just learned a lot of, about how to be a mom and walk biblical truths with that from them. Yeah, in the men's group, I've really enjoyed um, the opportunity to understand and get to know and tap into the resources. We've got a very diverse uh, group of men that meet uh, anywhere from early 20s to uh, in, in the retirement age. And so it's really great to get those different perspectives um, when, when you're really trying to deal with uh, something in your life or uh, when you have successes to, to have uh, like-minded people kind of gather around and, and cheer you on as well. Um, I, I found that it's a uh, a great place to, to be able to be open and honest about um, the sin struggles that I have in my life, too, uh, and not feel judged about it. Uh, but um, there, there's really something powerful about being able to say, hey, I struggle with this, and then what do you guys think and see, and, and have those guys uh, rally around. Um, it, it really speaks, I guess, to um, shining light on sin and then making it less um, less bearable. And so that's one of the things that I've definitely gotten out of it is, is some self self-growth. Uh, but then also just how to be a better man. Uh, our, our studies um, typically uh, lead towards, like uh, the next one we're going to get into in two weeks, uh, we're going to start studying spiritual disciplines. Um, and so looking at, at that side of things has been uh, beneficial through the group as well. Because this is a small and informal group, it's very conducive to sharing our life stories, as has been mentioned, without being judged. And it, I've found, leads to forming friendships that extend way beyond the Bible study time, and it goes into other areas of your life. <clears throat> we just mutually help and encourage one another 
And I leave just feeling uplifted and knowing that I belong. I'm not alone in life, and that's important for all of us. Yeah, kind of to piggyback on Lois there, we have a community and creative friends. Um, we don't necessarily have Bible studies that we go through or set scripture or anything. We just sit and uh, get to know each other. And to have that community, we have gone on to um, invite everybody to birthday parties and dinners and to enjoy time together outside of Creative Friends as well. So it's just a great place to begin a community. I almost grabbed the mic from you, but I got this. And one more. <laughs> so for Sue, the way that this has helped her or others connect in meaningful ways. So grief is a big ball of emotion as depicted on the screen. So she had this image up there that she wanted to have it shown. And there's a handful of different forms of grief that maybe some of you would connect with. Uh, the lesson in the workbook and the videos help members to untangle those emotions. If you don't untangle those emotions, you'll be stuck in grief. That's not a good place to be because you'll be kept in the deep, in a deep, dark hole of grief and struggle to heal from it. And so I know um, she wasn't able to be here this morning, but she really wanted to encourage people that if any of those are things that you are struggling with, grief share is a great place to go and to try to help untangle some of those issues because we want to be able to do that in the community as well. So then the final question, so we know about the groups, we know about how it's helped them relationally, but spiritually, how either personally or maybe within somebody else in the group that you know of, how does it help them grow spiritually? Um, in Creative Friends, we, uh, most of us are Christian and go to this church. We have a few members who um, don't, that are just from the community that we've met out in public doing creative things and invited along. So it's really interesting to see how that outreach can happen in Creative Friends. Um, in Creative Friends, we talk about anything and everything. So anytime you have a question, there are a group of seasoned Christian women, and there are some of us who are younger and newer, and it's just nice to be able to connect and have all of those different walks together in one room. Obviously, for us to grow spiritually, <clears throat> we need to be seriously in the Word of God and that involves our own personal time with the Lord. But I have found it so helpful to come and to listen to others that are beyond me. They've studied more than me. And I learn a lot like that. And we have homework in our ladies' Bible study. And what I'm finding is that one of the verses that talked about being spurred on, this spurs us on to not just wait to come till next time, but to be in the Word, to study, to quieten down and meditate and allow the Holy Spirit then through His Word to grow us spiritually. So uh, as a teacher, Johnny, I realized I answered that question last time, so now I'm going to answer the relationship one. Okay. Do it, you know, backwards. Uh, so relationally, uh, uh, the men's group also, we get together and do manly things. Like we, uh, uh, every three months, every six months or so, uh, we get together and we have a, a men's breakfast and do, go do some shooting or axe throwing or fishing or something like that, some social um, event to, to show off our manly prowess and and uh, get together and rub shoulders. And so uh, that, that's some of the other things that we do, uh, but uh, also helps build those relationships. In Mom to Mom, I've grown spiritually, um, majority, a majority of that from uh, Marge's devotions that she prepares. Um, they're always just very practical to us as moms um, and just, yeah, applications from the Bible that we can do. 
Um, she also has us do scripture memory, which often comes in song that we don't always love. Um, but it does, like it sticks, and um, so I've been challenged spiritually as well through that. Um, in our Bible studies, I feel like there are, our studies are kind of challenging sometimes, and it's a good thing because sometimes we just like read at night, um, and it, it can be easy in a sense. But then like when we have these questions that are just questions that I never really think about or like things that make me dig deeper into other verses, and um, a lot of it is challenging, at least for me. And so it's, it's helped me grow that way and just questioning how much I know and um, pushing myself to learn a lot more. Um, and I know like um, for my husband, he's also found like an accountability partner and so that was just like another thing that I know has been helping him grow and um, there's just so many different ways that we've been able to grow um, whether it's just like personally or with somebody else as well. Thanks. So as, as I listen to them and I'm sure you're picking up on this a big common thread is no matter what the group is because there's lots of differences like there might be people who are not Christians there maybe it's just the mom demographic I mean so many different groups that you could potentially connect with, but the big thing is sharing our struggles or overcoming adversity or being connected with people who can help you out when you're going through difficult times, right? So hopefully that, that first illustration, right, when life's trying to rip you down like that backboard, if you have people that you can turn to that can support you, um, that can help us stay strong in our faith and have a ton of fun and joy while doing it. And so they're going to put their chairs back. Let's give them a round of applause. The worship team can make their way.